All right, guys, welcome to the MMA OB Daily Podcast, Monday, January 15th, 2024. It's the UFC 297 preview, Strickland versus Duplessis. I am your host, as always, Adam Morgan, joined by my co-host here, Mr. Big Marcel. And we have a special guest today, Mr. Artsy from Fight Stats. Is that, is that what it's called? Fight Stats? Fighting, fighting Stats. Yeah, Fighting, fighting, fighting stats. stats. There you go. Um, Art, we're glad to have you here, man. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys know Art, obviously, from Twitter. Art, you and I have been... Man, I think we've been we've been talking about the fights for probably over a decade at this point, um, going back and forth. But I feel like you really like exploded on the scene, like uh, pretty much well since you started your site, but also since you made hit that huge parlay last month. Our, what was, is, yeah, tell yeah. people about you. Yeah, they don't know who you are. Go ahead. I was going the floor's open for you, man. Go ahead. Oh, thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I've been watching betting on UFC for a long, long, long time. Uh, we used to watch MMA Oddsbreaker back in the day with you and. Uh, um, all, all those guys back there, right? So I've uh, been betting for a while. Uh, been just sort of learning through my experience, uh, starting at like $5 unit, $10 unit, $20 unit. Every year I get a profitable year, then I start moving up in unit size. So um, last year was $500. Um, and then, yeah, I've, I've been doing like a deeper dive in the stats and I'm finding I, I have a team of like data scientists that are like um, collecting some stats and stuff for me, seeing how the fights go. Uh, we can see how, you know, how many times they throw a jab, how many, how many times they throw a cross. It's really helping me in my breakdowns and, and my analysis. Um, so it's sort of painting a clear picture for me in terms of how I see the fights going. So um, yeah, I've been having this event circled on my calendar for for forever. As soon as they announced it, uh, I'm from Toronto, so we're gonna go to the Toronto card. So I've been spending a lot of time breaking down this fight or breaking down this card. Excited to get into it with you guys. You guys, you guys are some of the best guys in the industry. I uh, really appreciate you guys having me. No, I appreciate you coming on, man. Like I said, it's going to be a great show today, guys. Uh, we got a, a real sharp dude here with Art, and and you hit that massive parlay. Art was it eighty? How much you? What was the risk? Like two grand to win eighty two? What was it? No, no. Okay, so uh, I it was I, I in total it was four hundred and fifty dollars uh, to crazy. to win eighty two thousand, and uh, it was the same game parlay. So it's not a regular parlay, but it was same yeah. game parlay within the same fight. Yeah. Um, it was the Pantoja Royval. Uh, to uh, fight, yep. um, Roy Val's you know one of those guys heavy volume on the feet, but uh, mm -hmm. on the ground he always gets taken down, controlled. But mm -hmm. he has good getups. I thought um, Pantoja could control him on the ground, win a lot of minutes, but Roy Val would be busier on the feet. So it, it was Roy Val to have most significant strikes, but lose by decision. Um, he's pretty durable. Uh, he goes to decision quite often. If you looked at the Moreno Pantoja fight, it, the exact same thing happened where Moreno uh, landed the most strikes, ended up losing a split decision there. Uh, we were in Vegas for that. So I played the exact same same game parlay. It was 180 to 1, uh, which is some like ridiculous number. But um, so I hit it for 100, then I hit it for another 100, and then I hit it again for another 250. So I kept on piling it up. And uh, the funny thing was, is that it was my wife's birthday. So I took her out to a nice restaurant. We went out. I had no idea we hit this. I, I, it's my, it's her birthday. So, you know, I'm not going to check my phone and, you know, the fights are on, you know, I'll, I'll check the, the updates later. I look at my phone to call the Uber home. I have like a hundred messages, missed calls. Oh, you did it. I had to like, okay, let me check, take a look. Let me see what happened. And then yeah, we ended up hitting that was massive. So excited That's to do it again. Well, and we should ask what, what are you doing with the money? I mean, you put it down in your house, or when you saving it? What do you or you put it back? In the uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Well, I, yeah, I yeah. again, I, I, I have a couple of these uh, data scientists that I'm covering, so I, yeah, I, yeah. I, it's coming out of my bankroll to try to get that stats back. It's sort of like reinvesting it, uh, sure. and then the wife's gonna want to do some basement rentals, so I'm sort yeah, of yeah, uh, I, I, I want part of yeah, it too, right? so. entertaining those discussions there. So we'll see. But, uh, there you yeah. go. 
Congrats, man. All right, let's get some comments, guys, and we're going to get to the show here. Uh, we got Antoine, Octon Updates, Glenn. He just hates Strickland. We'll talk about him in a, in a few minutes. Drew, what's up? Joe, what's up? There will be blood. West Coast. John Newquist, Moreland's and losses to Canadians. I, I think so, but we'll talk about those fights in a sec. Um, two hours away. I wish I could watch it live. Take the train in, man. Just Come in and it. see the fight. Is nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. You got to watch this. That's the thing. Like, you know, Art, I get it because I have a lot of friends that six hundred dollars is a lot. I mean, for me, it's a lot. Of, for anyone, oh, it's a lot of money. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, like, what this is the first time in six since twenty eighteen, six years ago. You got to go to the cards. You can if you're off work and, and you don't have kids to watch. You got to go to the card. Uh, Craig, what's <laughs> up, brother? Boys, what's up? Oh, Art's legit. Oh, fuck yeah, he is for sure. All right, let's get into it, guys. So, like, we Mark, we go uh, around the horn here, and uh, we start off at the bottom, work way up. But I, I guess just overall, um, I like to ask Marcel, and I'll ask both you guys just right now, um, just your overall thoughts on this card. I'll start with you, Art, since you know you're our guest of honor here. What's what's your overall thoughts on the card? I think with any Canadian card, it's going to be like subpar. I think they're going to be some entertaining fights, but um, they sort of have to fill the roster with a bunch of Canadian talent and just there, that being it. So you're not going to have the biggest names because we just don't have the biggest names. Um, but I think they can be entertaining. There's some entertaining matchups. Uh, you know, some of them can go back and forth. The odds are pretty close on a lot of them. So I can see some good fights being good names. Uh, the Strickland Duplessis uh, fight, you know, that one could go back and forth. Uh, you know, Strickland coming up to Canada, so I'm gonna can't wait to hear what he says about Canada and the weather here. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, overall, I think it's okay. It could be better. We get two title fights at least, and yeah. um, but a couple of good good fights, decent. Yeah, I, mean, I like the card. I just think they should have replaced those two light heavyweight fights we lost. They should have put something else on the card. At one point, we had 13 fights, and we also had Blahovitz, Rakic, and Alberg, yeah. Reyes, and we lost those two fights. I thought they were gonna replace it or something, and they didn't. Marcel, what do you think about the card overall? It's okay, but I mean, I think there are two really worthy pay-per-view fights on the card, and that's Sean Strickland against Duplessis and uh, Allen against Avloyev. You know, all the others not really worthy to be on the pay-per-view main card, in my opinion. Also, not the women's bantamweight title fight. I'm sorry, it's not. So, um, I would give it on paper a six, but if I give it a six out of ten, it can be still be like much better. I I rather give it a six on paper and it be an eight than I give it an eight on paper and it be a five or a six. You know, so uh, there's always a uh, room for improvement. I'd say, and uh, man, there's always something fun on the card. You know, so uh, and for example, you two you go live to the card. So if you go live to a card, the experience is oh, much yeah. more different than you watch in, in front of a TV. You know, so I always say like to people when they go to an event like. The, you more experience the the event itself, you know, the surroundings and the kind of stuff, you know, and, and the fights. You're more focused on the fights when you're watching from home because there's nothing around you. Yeah, probably your, your, your uh, how do you say, it? your snacks and your whatever the hell <laughs> you're eating, you know, but if you're in an event center, it's just like the, the whole the whole day, the, the whole environment is cool to be there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see, man. I, I think you guys will have a great time. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a decent card. I, don't, I, I think it's missing one or maybe two big fights. But I think, like, overall, like, it's a Canadian MMA card, right? Like, almost all the prelim fights have a Canadian fighter on it. I think the main card is decent. But, again, lacking that one big fight, I think, that third fight. Um, but I would say, like, a, I would say a 7 out of 10. Maybe, maybe, maybe it could be an 8, though. We'll see how it turns out. Let's just get a couple comments, then we'll get into the card. Um... I'm going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. 
Thanks for the content. Looking forward to Toronto. For sure, man. Definitely look forward to it. Going to be there. Art's going to be there. It's going to be a good one. All right, guys. Let's say let's get into it. Let's start with the first fight of the night. Work our way up here. And the first fight on the card is actually a Canadian here. Malcolm Gordon from Scarborough. My neck of the woods, Art. Picking on Jimmy Flick, the brick. And the odds for this one, minus 142 for Malcolm Gordon, plus 120 on Jimmy Flick. Art, we'll start with you since you're a guest. What do you think about this fight? Malcolm Gordon, yeah. Um, so he's two and four in the UFC. Uh, honestly, not the greatest. Not super impressed by him. Um, I think he could be easily zero and six. He does have that one uh, injury, like win uh, against Bondar by arm injury. Uh, I know he had him in uh, a triangle uh, close to uh, armbar, and then he got out of it. Um, Bondar was posting on that left arm, and I think, or the right arm, and then it it broke. Ended up winning by TKO in that fight. Before that fight, he has a decision win over uh, Francisco Figueredo, little brother Figgy, Figgy there. Um, and I thought Figgy was better. In the first round, uh, Figgy looked like he was controlling him, had like three or four minutes of control time. A minute left in the fight, he drops down for a heel hook and lets Gordon back up. And then Gordon rains down ground and pound for the round one, ends up winning that round. In round two, Gordon tries to get the takedown, but Figueredo can't, doesn't let him get the takedown, picks him up hard on the feet, easily wins round two. Round three, for some reason, Figueredo comes out and throws a flying knee. The first thing he does is throw a flying knee, ends up on bottom, and Gordon ends up winning that decision. I thought if Gordon, uh, sorry, if, if Figueredo just fought a regular game plan, took, uh, took control, he would have easily won that fight. And, and like I said, Gordon could have been 0-6. So uh, not super impressed by him, but uh, again, he, he he's here. Jimmy Flick, on the other hand, uh, high-level grappler. I think I, I like everything he does on the ground, really likes that arm triangle. First time I've seen anybody really pull guard with an arm triangle. Uh, he pulled guard and uh, ended up winning there. So that's where his go-to. I think uh, if it hits the ground, uh, Jimmy Flick's going to be actually a lot better. I like smoother on the ground. I've seen Malcolm Gordon sort of being complacent off his back a little bit in that Figueredo fight. Um, I think um, Gordon's takedown, uh, takedown defense has allowed 10 of 11 takedowns. Again, some of that's coming from Ivalev, and you know the stats are a little bit skewed, but he, the takedowns that I've seen, he just sort of gives up the position. So... I think if, uh, and so the fight starts, starts outstanding, and I'm going to say that. And Flick likes to stand uh, in kicking range. He keeps a high guard up, and he likes to throw these rear kicks. So he throws 15% of the time, he's going to throw this uh, low kick. 10% of the time, he's going to throw the high kick, right? And he keeps the high guard up. For Gordon to land, he's going to have to throw these like one twos, one two, one one twos sort of through the guard. If he catches him, okay, I just don't think Gordon has a ton of power be able to really capitalize on, on Flick. Flick does have two TKO losses in a row, but both of them have come from ground and pound. I think this is a little bit different. Um, the only thing that really concerns me is Flick's, he had that uh, flying uh, triangle win, and then he retired. He ended up having some like family issues or, or, or father, whatever happened. Then he came back two years later and then has had these two losses in a row. So I just don't know where his mental state is at, right? Um, on paper, though, I think Flick's going to be, you know, I think if it does hit the ground, Flick would look minus 300, minus 400 on the ground. On the feet, I don't think Flick's out of the water completely. I think Gordon's a better striker, uh, but I think Flick can hold, hold his own. I just think at times Gordon overextends a little bit on the one one twos. You can see him sort of throw off balance when he throws the twos. So I think it is conducive to a level change from Flick. If he gets him down, I think he controls him. So I think Flick could find the submission uh, in early, honestly. I know I'm probably on an island on that side, but... Um, Otherwise, Gordon could probably, if he keeps the fight standing, then he's going to probably win the decision. So that's how I see the fight going. Um, sounds great. Right, what about you, Marcel? What you, what's your pick? Um, 
I feel like um, if you look at the last couple of fights, you know, Jimmy Flick hasn't looked really great as uh, when he came back. You know, let's be really honest. Um, Malcolm Gordon, do I think he's like a next level top 15 UFC contender? No, I don't think so, to be really honest, you know. But uh, I have more, uh, how do you say that, more faith in Malcolm Gordon than I have in Jimmy Flick right now, you know. I don't think it's the most... It's probably, I know disrespect to both guys, was probably one of the low level of fights they can make at flyweight right now. Yep. Um, I'm still having more uh, confidence that Malcolm Gordon can pull the fire, can pull it off here in this one, you know. Um, don't forget, it's also in Canada, he's fighting at home. Don't say that the judges will be involved with this one or anything. I think he makes it pretty clear. Um, I'm going with a decision as well for Malcolm Gordon here. I, I think it's the, it's the most, uh, how do you say that? Uh, the most possible way for him to get the win here, you know, and uh, I, I, I'm I'm with that. Malcolm Gordon by decision, yeah, that's my. You know, pick. I I don't think I picked Malcolm Gordon to win a fight in the UFC. I I, I think I'm. I, well, I guess I'd be or no, I I'd be four and two in his fights because I got the ones he won. I got wrong too, but the other ones I got right. I just I he's from Scarborough, and I shouldn't like pick him just because he's like, you know, if I'm biased or whatever. But I try not to be when I pick these fights, and this is a guy that just doesn't pass the eye test for me, right? Like, just a really, like, bad chin. And, and his grappling is, like, I think it's decent, but, like, it's just overall, he's just not that great of a fighter, in my opinion. And then the thing is, though, Jimmy Flick, since he came back from that layoff art, like you mentioned, like, he's looked terrible. I, I think he kind of screwed his career up in a way. Like, I don't know what, what the reason was. You said maybe some family issues, and, like, respect that. But, like, I, he had some momentum, man. He was he looked good in a contender. He looked good against Durden with that flying triangle choke. And then takes – you know, almost three years off, comes back, and, and this looks horrible. I can't pick him anymore. I just can't do it. Um, and he's also a guy that has, like, no durability. I think he's been knocked out, what, six times in his career? I don't trust his chin at all. Even though Gordon – I don't trust his chin either. I, I would assume that his, he's got a little bit more power and just a little bit more durability. So, you know, the line is shifting towards Malcolm Gordon. That's kind of the way I see it too. So I'll take Malcolm Gordon. I have a different, I guess, look at this one, though, because I think he's going to knock Flick out. Even though he's not, like, the most powerful guy – I just think Flicks just got a paper chain now, and these can get knocked out in this fight. So, taking the Canadian to, to kick off the card, uh, Malcolm Gordon by knockout. So we got two for Gordon, one for Flick. By the way, Art, I don't know if you could retweet the the podcast, maybe if, that, if that's possible as well. I don't know, you might have already, but I thought uh, it did. Yeah, yeah, I thought it did. Okay, well, anyways, no big deal. Um, but uh, I I, tr I just checked it. It wasn't, but uh, no worries. Just because I know you got some people that probably want to see you uh, talk about the fights, obviously. All right, you'd be. Did you, did you pick Flick or Gordon? Me? Yeah. You Gordon. pick Gordon, right? Yeah, we all Gordon. Yeah. yeah, we all three oh. are Gordon. I thought I thought I thought R took Flick. R took Flick. Yeah, yeah. I'll 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 say my pick is Flick. I'll, I'll go yeah, on the island just, and take Flick. With your yeah. pick, I mean, I you know, Ari, it's still a close line. It's mine's one. What I do is I, I do percentages, right? And I, you know, I yeah, take. Totally. Uh, I think it could be like close. I think it could be 50-50. I think Flick has more upside if he does grapple. He gets the fight down to the ground and just yeah, controls yeah. Gordon. I think he could look look minus five hundred if he just controls yeah. all three rounds. But yeah, if if he can't, then Art he probably wins the decision. Yeah. Next time you pick a dog, you say dog, and I do this. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> we had Mario get, keep, that, keep that button ready then. So Yeah, I have. I, know, I, I have. got a couple dogs too. We had Mario Batista last week as our consensus dog of the night. Nice. You know, yeah. It'd be nice to hit a consensus dog with all three of us today. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> um, I think it's possible, but we'll see how the card goes. All right, let's go to the next fight, guys. We got Jasmine Jazz Debisius against Priscilla Cachuera, women's flyweight boat. And it's actually a fight that I, I don't know if you guys saw, but I was at that press conference and I, I asked – 
David Shaw, the UFC guy, said, can we get Jasmine on the card? And um, an hour later, I got a message from Jasmine. She messaged me saying, like, uh, this is this is good, and I appreciate it. And and then I think it was a few, maybe the next day, Marcel, they added to the card. So Jasmine messaged me and was like, you really helped me get this card. So I, I don't think I did too much personally, but it was it was obviously nice to, to get that, that that recognition from from the fighter. And mm-hmm. she is the biggest favorite in the card here, guys. Minus 380 against Castleware plus 300. I'll start on this one since... This is the fight that's close to my heart. Apparently, um, I, I think she, I think she absolutely dominates this fight. I think the line is where it should be. I think she is the most clear-cut winner on this card. If you're in a survivor pool, she's the fighter to take on this card. And not only do I think she wins, guys, I'm going to take her to get her first finish in the UFC. I think she takes Priscilla down, dominates her on the ground, and submits her in this fight. So that's that's the angle I'm going with. Jasmine by submission. I don't know if you said the, the props are out now, right, Art? They came out today. Yeah, they said? just came out like yeah half an hour before. Please, yeah. Let me throw it off. I didn't have a chance to look. I was doing something, obviously, the other podcast. But let me see what the odds are on that. Because that, that's the way I'm looking at the fight. I, I think she wins by submission. So let's see if I can get this. Um, pull it up here. Uh, let's see. Okay, it looks like maybe the prelims, they don't have them yet. We do have under 2.5, though, plus 130. That's where I'm leaning. I think she finishes the fight. Priscilla's ground game is pretty bad. And I think Jasmine, one of the bigger girls in this division, you know, she, wor- she, she works well on the ground. I just think she has the advantage really everywhere, except for like maybe the pure striking and the power uh, of, of Cashware. But again, Cashware's takedown defense is bad. Her her durability is bad. Her ground game is bad. Jasmine dominates, gets her first finish in the UFC. That's that's my pick, guys. Go with you. Uh, go next with, to you, Marcel. Go ahead. Sorry, Seems like her. sorry, sorry, sorry. Jasmine oh. to win by submission plus four fifty. Where are you seeing? That? Is it is it on? Is it on DraftKings or where, where are you looking uh, at? Bet online has it. Bet online. Oh, bet online has it. Okay, let me pull that up to you. But go ahead. I mean, I like that. Go ahead, Marcel. Go ahead, please. Seems like Adam is a massive fan of Priscilla Cachoeira. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I feel like Jasmine will be dominant on the ground, man. And I feel also that she gets a submission. Probably has to watch out for her eyes when she goes for the submission. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know exactly what I mean. Well, uh, Julian Roberts is actually on this card, which is oh, yeah. I wonder if they're going to run into each other backstage or something. <laughs> Go ahead, Marcel. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also think Jasmine wins, man. I mean, the only chance I see Cachoeira having is to knock her out, to 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 land a punch or something, you know, something crazy. But I don't think so, to be really honest. You know, I think Jas- Jasmine is like, um, she's at around, not top 50. She was at the top 50, I think, at a certain moment, but she's around there, you know. And um, I, I, I like overall what I've seen from her. You know, the cra- Tracy Cortez fight, what was... She lost that fight, but it was not like she got completely dominated. You know what I mean? It was like it was like competitive. Um, yeah, Jasmine, I think she was a submission. I, I'm with you on this one as well, man. And uh, yeah, submission for Jasmine. I don't know, maybe second round. I think I think Cachoeira can uh, hold her off maybe yeah. in the first round and get some eye pokes in to to hold her off. So uh, second round. You say it was the plus four fifty yard. Now it's plus four twenty five. Maybe someone listened on the podcast and hit that. Maybe, maybe they just hit it. Yeah. Um, I, I think second or third round submission, or even just winning in the second <laughs> or third round is possible. I even think it's possible for her to get like back control and just ground and pound cash where I, I just I really like her by finish this fight. And again, she is a big favorite. Usually the big favorites get the finishes. I like to hear your thoughts on the fight though, Art. What do you think, man? Okay, so I'll say I agree with the pick. Uh, I just don't agree with the number. I think it's a little bit too high. I think it could come down a little bit. Um, I think it's going to come down to obviously the takedowns and the takedown defense of Cachoeira. And I think everybody knows it market wide. Everybody knows Cachoeira doesn't have a takedown defense. And that's why this number is so high. If you told me that this fight was going to take place on the feet, it's going to be 
close to even even favoring Cachoeira, right? She has the more power. She lands heavier yeah. shots. They call her Zombie Girl. You know, he said she's not durable. Her, her nickname is Zombie Girl because she takes so much damage. Um, so, um, yeah, I think the line could be a little bit closer. I think um, Jasmine's very dependent on the takedown and, and top time. She's very good on the ground, very good with top time. And so the reason I bring that up is you go back to the Tracy Cortez fight, right? Uh, Jasmine couldn't get any takedowns, ended up losing every single round of that fight. Okay. Uh, against Miranda Maverick, um, she got the takedown in round one, only briefly, didn't get much top control, lost the first round, ended up winning the second two rounds when Ma Maverick shot for a takedown, got reversed, and Jasmine ended up having top time there. Okay. Against Fernandez, uh, uh, Gabriel Fernandez, uh, she got three takedowns in three rounds, ended up top time, and ended up winning all three rounds there. And then you go back to Natalia Silva, not able to get the takedowns, lost all three rounds there, uh, lost the decision to Natalia Silva. And then same thing with Kay Hansen, got the first two rounds, first two takedowns, went, won those rounds, Kay couldn't get the takedown in round three. Kay Hansen ends up winning round three. Jasmine wins a 29-28 decision. I think that's how this fight goes, is Jasmine probably wins 29-28, um, probably doesn't get the takedown in round three. Kachura does come forward in round three. Uh, we've seen it uh, before where she's down, she does come forward in round three, a lot of pressure. Um, so I, honestly, I, I'm going to sprinkle some KO round three for Kachura just because she does have that ability to come forward. If for whatever reason, maybe Jasmine slows down a little bit in round three, uh, the KO comes a little bit easier. Uh, I know you guys said you guys like the submission. I just wanted to point out Jasmine doesn't have any submission attempts in the UFC. Um, so I, I know that if she gets it down to the ground, she's going to control her, but she does have good top control. She likes to stay in like half guard and really, um, it's more... I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say lay and pray, but she is busy, but she does spend top time. She prioritizes position over submission. So I think if she does win, it's going to go to decision. I think it's going to be 29-28. If she gets that takedown in round three, it would be 30-27. I'm not huge on, like, parlaying her. Like, she's a big favorite. So uh, for me, I think it's dog or pass. You can sprinkle, like, get, like sub's not a bad price. But, again, she just hasn't take, She hasn't attempted a sub. If you look back last week, I took Alkaliev by sub. Same sort of thing where he's never submitted or he's never attempted a submission stupidly i thought he could uh, win by submission there and uh he ended up winning by ko so uh yeah i, I think just kesher is pretty durable um jasmine has never attempted a sub i think if she wins it's probably a unanimous decision so that's my pick all right so we have a consensus pick here at least uh, with the favor i mean no no surprise there i don't think i think we all uh you know expected us to, to pick her don't it's hard i get what you're saying it, it's just like i you know for me it's like one thing i really do look at is like not just how the fighters wins how they lose too and like Castaway's fighter that loses often by submission. So that's that's why I'm digging a sub for Jasmine or just even but if even if it's just control on the ground, I could see that happening too. Or like I said, a back take ground and pound. But um I just think she's gonna be really fired up for this fight, guys. I really do. I think she's gonna be ready to go for this fight in Toronto and I think she's gonna finish it. So that's my pick. We all like Jasmine to win though, as uh there should be no surprise for that one. All right. Let's go to the next fight here. And this one is the final uh, prelim on the early card. And we have Johan Lainez taking on Sam Patterson. Odds for this one. Johan is favored. Minus 155, Sam Patterson, plus 130. I'll start with you, Marcel, this time. Uh, what do you think about this one, man? Really weird matchup, to be really honest, man. When I saw this one booked, I was like, hmm, okay. You know, uh, Johan Lainez, yeah, he comes off that loss against uh, Mike Malat, you know. But, uh, I mean... Mike Malad is pretty much right now, I think, like the biggest prospect from Canada and the UFC. So I wasn't too surprised with that one, you know. Um, 
I, I got to say, man, I remember we both picked Johan Lainez to win against Justin Berlinson in the Dana White Contender Series, you know, yeah. but it's actually his most impressive fight so far in the UFC or in, in let's say under UFC, uh, under the UFC lights, you know, Dana White Contender Series, not officially UFC fight. Um, he got one win in UFC against Darian Weeks, was a split decision. I remember you was, I think you weren't, you didn't agree with that one, if I was correct, not? Uh, I can't remember now, to be honest with you. It was, okay. it's not like it was the most memorable yeah, yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, right, right, right. You got Sam Patterson, who got brutally knocked out against uh, Jana Lashmus in London uh, last year. Um, yeah, man, this is like... Uh, and Sam Patterson goes up in weight class. That's also uh, pretty... Uh, how do you say that? Uh, pretty um, important to, to say. Difficult, man. I, I, I think Johan Lainez has the power to knock him out, you know. And on the other hand, Sam Patterson, I think we haven't seen the real Sam Patterson yet in the UFC. But it's for me hard to, to uh, when you watch older older film on him, he looks he looks pretty decent. But he's he's such a lanky guy, you know what I mean? Um, I think there will be stoppage in this fight. I think there will there will be a knockout, and I'm banking on Lines getting the knockout, man. Here in this one. Um, Maybe I'm crazy, but I'm going Lioness. And I think if he finishes, he probably finishes early. Um, so Lioness for me, knockout first round. Yeah. Yeah, the, I was looking at the the, uh, the the props, and fight doesn't go is minus six fifty. I don't think it goes three. Um, or give your give me your thoughts on this fight. What do you think, Ben? Um, basically on the same side. Uh, so the biggest thing for me is Sam Patterson. Um, he's a big lightweight. He's six three with seventy eight inch reach. Uh, big for the lightweight division. But he's moving up to welterweight, and Lainez is a big welterweight, big and strong. So now he's only going to have a two-inch height advantage and a two-inch reach advantage. So the his fights at lightweight, you can see he, he has typical tall man defense. He's striking. He just leans back a little bit, and he's out of range. He's fighting guys with, like, 10-inch reach, 10-inch height. You know, he even got knocked out in his last fight against a guy with 10-inch uh, reach a disadvantage. He was able to close the distance, land the overhand right, and finish him there. So... He's moving up in weight uh, against Lainez. Lainez is a heavy-handed striker, right? He throws a, a lot. He, okay, so he likes the overhand right. He throws that overhand right so many times. I, I broke it down. Is Picture the punching machines. You go to the Dave & Buster's, the Chuck E. Cheese, the punching machine there. If, if you had to hit that thing as hard as you could, you would be throwing these overhand rights. That's how he looks like when he's throwing that. He, he nonstop throws it. He does have a long lunging jab where he jumps into the jab as well. So the, for me, it's the, the reach advantage not really coming into play here. Uh, Lioness throwing these big overhand shots. I think it's a matter of time. Patterson keeping his head on the silver platter, just you know, not really putting in a, a lot of head movement, not putting a high guard, really just leaning back. I think this is a, a setup fight in the fact that, that Patterson's just so hittable. Lioness is such a heavy-handed hitter. Uh, I think, like Marcel said, if it does come, it comes in early in rounds one and two. I know the biggest knock against Lainez is his cardio. He really faded uh, late in the um, the Kate Green fight, but he was winning that fight. He won round one in that fight. He was winning round two in that fight, and then he just his cardio fell off a cliff, and then he ended up Gabe Green just came back and put him out because he had nothing left in the tank. Against Darian Weeks, I think he addressed it, and I'm going to say addressed it because he was able to win, go to decision, able to win a decision. I think it's possible that he's sort of 
all he has to do is like take 10% off of his shots, not throw the overhand right as much, you know, throw the over the right maybe down the middle a little bit more, and he conserves cardio. The other thing I wanted to mention is Sam Patterson, because he has such long range and a distance, he's used to standing on the outside, keeping guys at a range, popping a jab. He likes the leg, uh, the leg kicks. He only throws kicks with the right leg, never the left leg. So he stands orthodox. Even when he's fighting a southpaw, he'll still throw the right leg. Um, so he's just going to stand in kicking range, throw the kicks, throw the jab. That's what he's used to doing. He's not going to push a pace where Lainez has to really dig deep. He's not going to be cardio heavy where Patterson's grappling for, you know, the first two, three rounds. And, uh, you know, now he falls off a cliff. If Lainez wants to take his foot off the gas pedal, he just does. He just stands at range, stands there a little bit, uh, you know, blocks a jab, and then he can burst in and out uh, sort of as he wants to. So, I know the cardio concerns are a big thing. I'm going to take Laness, and I might sprinkle maybe like a Patterson KO round three in case the the cardio is an issue. And so I'm a little bit covered there, but I think Laness finds a KO pretty pretty quickly here. Yeah, I mean, I, I like you said, the tall man defense with this guy. And I actually had uh, Ash moves in the last fight as a pretty big dog, I want to say, to knock him out, and, and I had that pick right. I just don't trust this guy at all. I mean, I you know, Laness is another guy that, I mean, I think I had him against Gabe Green, and then that, he was looking great, and then obviously Gasta, right? That's a guy with good cardio. Should have known better, I guess. But, like, at the same time, he's just got the power, man, to put this guy out, and I think he does. I, I don't want to overthink it too much. Like, um, I just – there's nothing really, like, making me want to pick Patterson here. Um, so I got to go with Lyness. So we have a consensus pick here as well with Johan Lyness. And I think we all pick him by knockout, I, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, that's what the odds on that. Knockout plus 130. You like you like that better, Art, to take him by, by knockout instead of going with with a with the money line here? What do you think? I took money line. Um, yeah, minus one forty. It's not much of a difference, eh? You, you don't want to sit there with a knockout bet and then he wins by submission. Maybe like yeah. Patterson tries to grapple, and and you know Patterson has a nice front choke as well. So honestly, I could see a Patterson sub. I looked at that line; uh, it just wasn't high enough. I don't think Linus puts his neck out there and engages in the grappling to get choked out. I think it's takes play on the feet. That's where Lenas wants it to be. Um, but yeah, I, I could see going submission. I'd rather just play it safe and yeah. take money line. No, for sure. I'm looking at it now. Like the number's not not big enough. Of it. If it's like plus 300, then you would go that way, I think. But plus 130 is no point. Okay. So we got that one there. Let's go to the next fight, guys. We have Julian Robertson, the Savage, taking on Pollyanna Vienna. And this, this could be an interesting fight, too. And the odds for this one, Julian Robertson, minus 245. Plus 200 on Pollyanna. So Julian's one of the bigger favorites on the card. She is a Canadian fighter, but I think she's been living in the States for like most of her life. She trains in Florida, obviously, with Dean Thomas. But she's from Niagara Falls. So be interesting to see like what the fan reception is if she has like a cheering section, like I expect like Jasmine and some of these other Canadians to have. But uh I'll start with this one, I guess. Um I'd like her to win. I mean, I think she gets the job done here. I just think she's the better fighter overall. I think she's got the better grappling, better top game. Uh, better submissions. The striking is still a worry with me with Robertson. I think her striking is pretty bad. Um, I just don't think that Pollyanna will be able to defend off the takedowns. They both have bad takedown defense, both at 43%, guys. So both really bad takedown defense. But the difference for me is the 2.46 takedowns landed on average per fight for Robertson compared to 0.93 for Vienna. I think Robertson gets her to the ground, gets on top. Um, and I think maybe even submits her. I know Pollyanna is a, it's a good grappler herself, but she has been submitted before twice, actually, in her last fight. But it's into it. And also Dan Hardy's wife submitted her uh, a few years ago as well. So um, 
she's uh she's talented don't get me wrong she's definitely talented she has some submissions she has we saw like that fray the knockout there but uh, i think robertson you know overall is you know the better fighter and and i think she'll win this fight i think the line is moving her direction for a reason i think she gets the job done here um you know either decision or submission i'm kind of being a sub though i just think fian is going to get tired as the fight goes on and i think robertson by like second or third round sub makes sense for me so that's my pick what do you guys think we'll start with you uh we'll go through the art we'll go through art what do you think i'm on the same side um i, I sort of say like Pollyanna Viana is probably like the Walmart, the great value, Jillian Robinson. Um, she probably, like you said, not uh, honestly, the takedown defense from Viana is horrible. She spends almost every fight on her back. And so if you take a look, um, what I want to highlight is that both of them, again, 78% of Robertson's wins are by submission. 76% of Viana's wins are by submission. But if you go deeper into those submission wins, Robertson has six rear naked chokes, three arm bars, one, one actual ground and pound. Obviously, that's not a submission. Viana, most of her wins, five of them coming from arm bar, uh, two of them from rear naked choke. She's getting these wins because she's on the bottom. She's getting the arm bar wins because she's on the bottom. She's spending time on the bottom. I think Viana is basically round one arm bar or bust. And uh, Jillian Robertson, just, she's good on the ground. I think she's too experienced. I don't think she's going to get stuck in an arm bar. Uh, I'm going to say that, but she does have an armbar loss. I was against Bueno Silva. I just don't think Viana has it in her to find the submission. Uh, Robertson, pretty durable on the feet, can take some damage as well. So I honestly don't see a lot of winning situations or win equity for Viana uh, because she spent so much time on the ground because Robertson's so good on the ground in, in terms of the top. She's really good from changing from a half guard into mount. You see her a lot more mounts uh, than Viana. Viana's hardly ever in mount. Uh, so if Robertson can get to mount, it's really it's up to Viana whether or not she rolls and gives up her back. Uh, Jillian locks in the rear naked choke, or she stays on her back and eats ground and pound. So honestly, I know Robertson KOs out of, out, out of this world because it's not really going to happen. But I think if it does happen, it could come from ground and pound. Just controls her on the ground. Uh, we saw it very close with Robertson versus Cachoeira. Same sort of thing. Cachoeira, a fish off her back. Uh, Robertson able to get to mount. Raining down ground and pound, Fatua eventually rolls and give up, gives up her neck. So it's really up to Viana what she wants to do. I think Gianna, uh, Robertson can win a decision, can win a submission as well. And I wouldn't rule out ground and pound KO, uh, but I think Jillian Robertson's aside. I took her earlier. I got her like minus 175. So the lines moved completely though, but uh, I like that yeah. side. And Marcel, are you going to finish off here with a consensus favorite pick again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will. Um, I mean... Poliana Viana, um, I was kind of high on her when she came into the UFC. I was like, she's, I think she's pretty, she's pretty good, you know. But man, I, I think her most impressive win is likely on the streets, you know. Uh, but and that guy, that that mugger, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know she knocked out Jin Jufry, which was which was a great win for her. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, I, I don't trust her a lot, you know. Uh, she seems like, like, like Art says, first round, uh, she can get something going. But after that, she seems like a complete bust to me, nine out of ten times. Not, and honestly, I'm not really that high on, on Jillian Robertson either, you know. But I think she's better. And uh, I think she wins a submission, man. I'm going second or third round for Jillian Robertson's submission. I think she gets the win there. And, uh, yeah, I mean... Not much to say about this fight, to be really honest, man. Uh, I think uh, I think Jillian wins the fight. So uh, good for you, Can for you Canadians. 
I know so far we haven't. I don't think we picked them to lose except for Gordon in the first fight with uh, with our. Okay, yeah, we'll go to the next fight here. Can I add one thing here? Uh, yeah, for sure, thing. for sure. I just wanted to pick apart uh, Pollyanna's record here, right? So uh, she's five and three. Uh, sorry, three and five in the last eight. Uh, all of those three wins, first round wins against Jenny Frey. Jenny on a four fight losing streak. Probably gets cut from the UFC too. Mallory Martin no longer in the UFC first round armbar. No, no idea what to do on the ground. Emily Whitmire basically gave her the arm and said, uh, "Submit me." So these <laughs> girls have nothing to do on the ground, and they're getting submitted. Jenny yeah. Frey against these girls aren't UFC caliber. They, they're no. they're not above five hundred. And so anytime she takes a, a little bit of a step up, Tabitha Ricci, Lucindo, Arbana yeah. Hardy. Veronica Hardy submitted her, right? So I think she takes that step up. Jillian Roberts just, I think, again, just the Walmart version. She's just better everywhere. I think she cruises to a win. I love it. I love it. And Eric, don't knock the great value, man, because I save money on my eggs and, and stuff. It's, it's great you know? value. That's what it is. It is, right? man. It totally is. All right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's go to the next fight here. And this is uh, this is an interesting fight. The rematch here from the Contender Series. Seri City against Ramon Tavares. And odds for this one are pretty competitive, minus 180. Sidi plus one fifty Tavares. I'll start with you, Art, on this one. Um, what do you think about this fight? Uh, interesting rematch. You don't really see it that often from contender to UFC. The next fight. What do you think, yeah. man? So yeah, very unique situation. It doesn't happen too often, but it does. So in the first fight, they fought on. Um, I think it was contender series, right? Um, Suri City uh, came out. He landed. Uh, I think he landed a left hook dropped Tavares briefly and then the referee just came out of nowhere stopped the fight right away it was such a quick stoppage that Dana White said yeah I, I agree it's a quick stoppage let's get this rematch let's get this book so now they are rematching to be honest uh Tavares is a very good boxer he's very good hands um I just like the Viana side I just don't know how good he is because he's beating up on cans all of his wins are sub 500 guys you know you, you're beating a 44 year old Charles Bennett like yeah, you're supposed to be winning those fights, right? And uh, so he has a couple of KO wins. Again, uh, good hands from what I've seen, good good hand speed. Uh, City is as well, good hands as well. I just don't think he has as much power on the feet. I like the fight, honestly, because the first fight ended so quickly, I think the odds makers are setting this line a little bit too short in terms of the total. It's only at one and a half. Uh, in the first fight, I thought that that fight could go to decision. Again, City doesn't have a ton of, Power. I know he does have some KO wins, uh, but most of them from the body. Um, I, I kind of like the over. I, I like Tavares as a as an underdog, like in terms of that value. I lean City side by the decision, honestly. But uh, I think Tavares can make it dirty. I think his hands are pretty fast. Uh, he has a very nice left straight that he lands, and um, so if he can get that going, um, you know, he was landing it a couple of times. Whoop! Uh, in the first one, and um, so yeah, I, I I think it could be close. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Pick City, but I'll probably end up betting Tavares on that side. Uh, or, like I said, the over one and a half in that fight. Marcel, what do you think? Kind of a 50-50 fight to me, you know, what, I, what I've seen from them. So, um, um, yeah, that first fight. I mean, listen, I'm happy for Tavares that he got a second chance. On the other hand, he, he missed weight for that first fight as well, you know. So, I was kind of surprised he got that second chance. Okay. I was happy for him. He, died, he did it, and he looked great against Cortavius Romius. Okay. Uh, knocked him out early. Um yeah, it's this is for me a pick and fight in my opinion. You know, I think it's that close. Uh, I can see Tavares win. I can see City win. Uh, you know, Adam, what I always do when it's a very close fight, and I don't know for sure. We're gonna look at what country they're fighting in. They're fighting in Canada, and look who is Canadian, Sari City. Yeah. So we're picking City by decision. Yeah, I'm gonna take him too. So another consensus 
favorites we i thought we'd have more dogs here but i think coming up maybe we'll have a few but uh yeah i mean like i i think the first final okay. was bad so to, to be fair like marcel said it's probably 50 50 and i probably agree yeah. it's 50 50 but when it's 50 50 you gotta go with the underdog uh you yeah. gotta take the extra value on the under you can't lay the juice on surrey city side i know he's Canadian, yeah, no. and i get he'll have the crowd on his side but that's where my head's at i i, I see it as 50 totally 50 as well uh but i'm taking the value on on the underdog in terms of betting wise that's totally fair Art. i mean we're coming on here we're just we're, you know we we want to pick out of you but at the same time I yeah, know yeah, you, play yeah. the, you play the percentage games and um you're kind of like Luca back in the day when the podcast even this 51% thing. Uh, I'm sure you remember back. Ah, in the day. Don't compare <laughs> compare me to Luca. I don't know about that. But, uh. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I think I said it. I'm going with City as well. I don't have a lot of interest in betting on this fight, though. I think it's kind of a sketchy fight, to be honest. Um, first fight was sketchy. This one's sketchy. I just checked the referee, by the way. Marcel was Kevin McDonald. We hadn't seen him in years. Then he comes back and fucks that <laughs> fight up. And now he hasn't fought. I don't think he's wrapped a fight since then. So. Dana was obviously not too happy with that. But yeah, I mean, I think I personally think this fight's going to end inside the distance. So I think someone gets finished in this one. I'm leaning towards City game and Ako, this time a clean one, but we'll see what happens. Again, not a lot of interest in this one. All right, we'll go to the next fight here, guys. We've got a uh, fun fight here, actually. I think this is one of the more fun fights in the card. Charles Jordan against Sean Woodson. And the odds for this one have Jordan minus 190, Woodson plus 145. I'll start with you, Art, on this one. Get, I want to hear your thoughts on this fight because I find it very intriguing. What do you think about this one, man? This one, man, I went back and forth on this one as well. Um, the first thing, obviously, that stands out on the page is just Woodson's build. It's so awkward. It's so, like, I call him Dalzim, just like, he's so lanky. Uh, so he's a problem, right? He's 6'2 with a 70-inch reach at 145 pounds. Like, it's the longest in the division. It's a problem for people to try to figure out, right? And he's a really good boxer. He's been boxing since the age of eight. Really good hands. He's working in some kicks here. So um, he's going to want to keep the fight on the feet. Um, he has such a range that his the, his opponents really have to come in and close the distance. Jordan, um, you know, he's a really good striker as well. He has nice leg kicks. Uh, both fighters actually switch from orthodox to southpaw, uh, you know, um, as the fight goes on. Jordan will actually mirror his opponent. So when his opponent goes orthodox, he will switch to orthodox. When they go southpaw, he'll go southpaw as well. And that's because he likes the outside low kick. Uh, so I can see Jordan having a lot of success with the outside low kick. Whether it's in southpaw, whether it's in orthodox, he will switch as his opponent switches. Woodson will have to uh, deal with the leg kicks. But the issue is, is that Woodson, because he's so long, he's going to have a nine-inch reach advantage here. For for Jordan to be in kicking range, it's actually Woodson's punching range, right? Um, so I can see Woodson countering a lot of leg kicks. If he if he throws those naked leg kicks, I could see Woodson landing a couple of counters. Um, the other issue I have with Jordan is he likes this really high guard. He comes into the pocket, puts up the high guard there, and uh, he sort of he doesn't move back like some fighters tend to do. He puts up the high guard. So if you go back and watch um, the Jordan fight there, I, I can't remember who it was, but um, he, he puts up this high guard. Oh, it was the um, Nathaniel Wood fight. Uh, Nathaniel Wood actually lands five or six takedowns, all of them coming from outside trip. It's because uh, Jordan puts up this high guard. He stands in the pocket there. It's so easy for you to just step behind him, outside trip, push you down to the ground. And so Nathaniel Wood had a bunch of takedowns that way. The reason I bring it up is because when you put a high guard like that, you're protecting your head, but the body is open as well. So the takedowns are open. The body is open. Woodson loves to go to the body. He has such range where he goes up high. When you circle off, he's going to throw hooks when you circle, and he'll work the body. So I think Woodson can find some success if he does work the body. Again, that nine-inch reach against a guy that wants to strike with him has to be such an advantage. Um, you know, Jordan has to close the distance. 
what I found was uh, amusing is like, I, I tried to find out, okay, how does Jordan react against guys that have longer reach? Uh, so I tried to look it up. Uh, Jordan versus guys with longer reach, zero. He's never fought anybody, sorry. Oh. He's never fought anybody with a shorter reach. He's only fought guys with longer reach. So he doesn't have experience closing the distance, having to work with that. Um, I, again, I think it's pretty close. I, I, I sort of lean Woodson just because of the big reach advantage, the, the strength advantage. I know he's an underdog. Um, he started working in takedowns in his last fight as well. He's never shot any takedowns. And in the last fight, he started uh, – there it is, yeah, dog. Uh, but, yeah, I like the I like the Sean Woodson side. I, I, I think it could be pretty close. Uh, I think just – I like his hands. Jordan just has the leg kicks. I, I see going back and forth. I see it pretty close. So I'm, I, I'm picking Sean Woodson to win. Marcel, where were you? Dog? Got no, dog this, this, was, this was still far. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man – this is this is one of the more difficult fights of the card, in my opinion. You know, yeah. because I feel like um, I, I feel like Sean Woodson. Uh, he's such a, an odd guy, in my opinion. You know, maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm odd, but for me, he's kind of an odd guy. He's, he's like a guy who who I almost never favor in fights. You know, for some reason, and he always came. Uh, he always uh, he seems to always do very well in fights. Actually, look at Charles Jourdain. I think he wins most of the fights I expect him to win, you know, and he loses the fights I expect him to lose. Um, I think Art gave a pretty good breakdown of the fight, you know. Um, I kind of feel the same way. I think that the reach of Woodson is kind of a, a problem for Jordan in this fight, you know. Um, I, I think I'm going with the underdog here as well, man. It's kind of weird that uh, maybe that I'm going with the underdog here as well, but I feel the same way actually. I think it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be a big problem for Jordan to to close the distance and to not get hit. So uh, yeah, for me, it's uh, also a Sean Woodson in this one. Well, I got two dogs. I mean, I'm kind of like on the fence on this one to be honest with you guys. Like I'm. Damn it, Adam! We could have had I know, three. No, no, no. I know we haven't. We had, we don't have it yet. I, I just, I'm, my lean is still Jordan. I just, I, I just think he's the better fighter. Really, I, I think he's more well-rounded. I think he's better on the ground. And really, I think that's that's his best advantage. Because I think, like, I'm looking at this fight. Like, I think I was looking at yesterday, and the reach, the reach disadvantage scares the shit out of me. I mean, it's nine inches. That's a lot of reach to give up, and also the height too. But mostly the reach, right? And that bothers me. But. um I don't know, like Woodson still I, I, I just I'm not completely sold on this guy and I, I I can't forget that fight with Saldana two fights ago where I mean really he probably should have lost that fight if that Saldana guy wasn't a, wasn't a fucking idiot. And uh I think he got cut after that, didn't he? He hasn't fought since is he cut Marcel? Saldana? He's cut. I don't know. Well I don't know, but he, can't he, him he, again. Just... he blew it, dude. He absolutely blew it in that fight. He won that fight and then he screwed up and dropped on top of the fence and was it Herb Dean trying to pull him down? <laughs> Mike Beltran was like, get down. Um <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, like, Woodson definitely a good boxer, though, no doubt about it. And, you know, he did work in some grappling his last fight against Bazooka, although that was a short notice thing. But, again, I think just the level of competition bothers me a little bit. Like, it's just not very good. All the guys he's beaten are not in the UFC anymore, except for Bazooka, who's a bubble guy. And then with Jordan, at least, you know, he's he's been in the UFC for a while now. He's proven himself against some pretty good fighters. And, and that last fight, man, was, was, was really impressive with that submission, too. Um, I think people forget he's a black belt in the ground, right? Um, so can I add one thing to that there? Yeah, so for sure. Jordan, black belt in BJJ, he just doesn't proactively grapple enough. He has yeah. six takedown attempts in his UFC career, only one successful. And we saw I, I Woodson, Woodson has elite takedown defense. 
He's seen 47 takedown attempts against. Only seven of them have been successful. For somebody with long, lanky legs, you expect him to have, like, the shittiest takedown defense. But he defends. He's able to pummel. He's able to keep the fight standing. So I think the fight stands on the feet. Like, I know Jordan has an advantage on the ground. Uh, and he actually loses the fights where he ends up on bottom. But this fight should stay standing. And I got to go with the guy with the nine-inch reach advantage with the good hands. So that's... I'm not trying to sway you. I'm just trying to, you know. No, you're not. No, not at there. all. No, I think it's great. Like again, I'm not. I'm not sold on this. Like I was. I'm in James's survivor pool in the Discord, and I. Had, I think I had the second or third pick, and like really, other than Jasmine, I don't have like an obvious like pick on this card. I'm like last week art where there was like, I mean, there was like ten different favorites you could pick last week, right? And this week it's like it's a little tougher. I think um, I'm just not completely sold because of the because of the reach really, and and also like you said, Woodson's got good takedown defense. At the same time, though, I still think that. Jordan's got the power to, to hurt him and 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 rock him and, and, and grab his neck in a transition or something. So uh, I, I'm leaning towards Jordan. I don't I don't love it though. So for me, it's a pass. Um, too bad I, I couldn't couldn't get there, guys. We we almost we'll had that. that, we'll that yeah, I think we will. But uh, for this one, I'll take Jordan. It's just not if I'm I'm willing to bet on. I just think he'll, he'll win the fight. And you know, again, I, I do I do think most of the Canadians win this card. Um, let's go to the next fight here. We have. The last prelim got there already. So we got the last prelim here. Ultimate fighter winner, two-time ultimate fighter winner, Brad Katona takes on Garrett Armfield. And Katona minus 198, Armfield plus 164. Art, I'll start with you again on this one. What do you think about this one, man? Yeah, Brad, two-time tough winner, eh? Undefeated on the ultimate fighter. Yep. Um, man, I'll be honest, the Brad Katona fight tape was it was hard to watch. It's he, he, what he does is he uses the same game plan almost every single fight, but he's good at it. He uses a lot of cage pushing. He pushes you up against the face, a cage. He'll clinch you up against the cage, and then he'll drop down for a double leg. He probably not, doesn't get it. He'll come back up, still push you up against the cage, then he'll drop down for a single leg. He has a lot of cage pushing time. He does get down to the ground, and then he sort of doesn't really attempt a lot of submissions, um, has a lot of control. You can see in his record a lot of fight going to decision. Um one thing that really stands out is his iron chin. He has a granite chin. He's taken some flush knees to the chin, eats them pretty cleanly. Um, and then again, he's pretty savvy on the ground when it gets down to the ground doing the right things. It's just I don't like the way that he fights because he's just pushing guys up against the cage there. So on the armfield side, I couldn't find much to really be upset about. I think he's well-rounded. He's pretty good. Um, I know he took – okay, so he came in. He took a very short notice fight there against uh, David Onama. David Onam, he went up in weight class. David Onam is huge for the weight class as it is. He was a minus 800 favorite in that fight. And Armfield was the one that was pushing Onama up against the cage. Uh, Onama couldn't clinch him there. Um, Onama went for the takedown. Armfield kept it standing. And Armfield was winning the stand-up in that fight as well in round one. I know he got finished by arm triangle in round two. But it was a short-notice fight as the plus 650 whatever underdog. And he had a really good showing in that fight. Uh, then he's coming off a win in his last fight. I think just... From what I've seen from Arnfield, just the ability to push David Onama back to the cage, not, you know, and that's Katona's game plan is just cage pushing, being the stronger guy. I think Arnfield does it pretty well. I think he defends it pretty well. It's not like Katona really has a big striking advantage either. It's not like he's big on the ground either. Like, I think it, it's probably pretty even, but I do lean Arnfield. I think he has more ways of winning. Uh, I think for Katona to win, it's going to be really just a decision because of just the way he goes. I really like the over two and a half because I do think, honestly, both guys can go to the decision. I talked about uh, Katona's chin and just the ability to scramble on the ground if he keeps the fight standing, all that stuff. But 
I kind of like the underdog in this fight. The uh, Armfield there. I'm going with the underdog as my pick. I think Armfield wins the decision. Your pick, Marcel. What do you think? Um. Yeah, I'm actually like Brett Katona is like a guy who is like gets the wins, but I'm never really intrigued by watching him for some reason, you know. And and that's maybe weird to say after that last fight he had, you know. But uh, the last fight was great. Fight, the the, the last fight was fight. great. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the best fights of the year. Really. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's kind of weird to say maybe for me, but it's like I'm I'm just not getting pumped by Brett Katona fight for some reason, oh. you know. Um, but for Armfield, I think Armfield is decent. You know, it's like what Art says. He, he did pretty well against Onama on short notice, a weight class up, you know. Um, and he got that uh, that great win in Singapore against Kazama last time out. Um, still, I think Katona uh, will probably get the win here. I think he, he plays it smart. Won't finish Armfield, I think. I think he, uh, he does a lot of cage pressuring again, you know, and uh, probably uh, gets a decision win here. I mean, in it's in Canada, so they will cheer him on, even if he makes it boring. So, uh, because he's a Canadian, you know, you guys love your Canadians. So, uh, yeah, I'm going with uh, Katona by decision here. Yeah, this, I, I'm also, this is another fight that I'm like not interested in betting on. I could see Armfield winning. I think Art's like definitely right. Like, that Armfield is so, he's solid, man. That last fight was. Very impressive, really. Against Kazama, that knockout, um, and even the Onama fight did he did some good things in that fight, right? And then I think he he moved what he moved down a weight class, right? So now at one thirty five, I think he's in a better weight class. I just I don't know, like I'm just leaning Katona to win a decision, but I don't think it's going to be exciting like the last fight, like Umar. So I think it's going to be like a more boring type of decision. Um, did I have one thing? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, so what we track is we track also the strikes and the combos that he throws, right? So Katona, nineteen percent of his strikes are just the single jab, eighteen percent of his strikes are the lead hook, nine percent is the right cross, and nine percent is the lead low kick. So a lot of single shots coming out of Brad Katona's side. Uh, he's not again the craziest striker. Uh, he throws one couple of punches really to just close the distance, push you against the cage. Armfield, I find for every shot that lands, he returns three or four back. So Again, it, when you're watching the fight cage side like the referees are doing, I think they really notice the volume here. Obviously, the crowd's going to be into it every time Katona pushes them up against the cage and then a, a cheer. But I think Armfield can be busier on the feet. I think if it's between uh, Armfield landing you know, 30 strikes versus Katona's 10 strikes and then maybe two minutes of cage control put time, I think you got to go with Armfield in terms of when you're scoring the rounds. I think it's going to be one of those things where you have no idea how the fight's being scored. Live betting lines are going to be all over the place because it's just one of those things where you, is it control? Is it damage? Is it, uh, you know, top time? What What's really scoring here? So I could see it being close split decisions, probably live uh, as well. Uh, but again, I like the Armfield side. Totally fair. All right, let's go to the next fight here, guys. And I think this fight could be considered the best fight in the car or like one of the most relevant, other than the main event, because I think the main event's the best car, best fight in the car. But Arnold Allen takes on Mobster Evloyev at 145. Uh, it's a great fight. And the odds for this one have Evloyev is favored, minus 192, Allen plus 160. I'll start with you, Marcel, on this one. What do you think? I know you like this fight a lot. Go ahead. I think it's the second best fight of the card, in my opinion, you know. Um uh, maybe even the best part of the card. Hey, but hey, you know, who am I? I didn't mean to jump in, but I think this could have, like, I'm glad it's on this card because I'll be there, but like, this could easily have been a five round Apex main event, I think. Oh. I think this is just a really good fight, relevant fight. Go ahead, though, Marcel, please. I agree. Um, you know, Arnold Allen, you know, I've always been on the fence on Arnold Allen. You know that. I said it always, you know, people are like, oh, Arnold Allen. I was like, yeah. 
you know, he got that that big win over Dan Hooker in, in, in England, but then Dan Hooker was fighting a featherweight. He had no business there, I think. Um, if you look at Arnold Allen, the, he, he got that Cato win, but what can we say about that win, you know? It was with an injury, you know? He fought Max Holloway. He lost to Max. I expected him to lose to Max, but, so, but that's no shame in losing to Max, you know? I think Arnold Allen is a pretty decent fighter. If you look at Mosa Evloev, I think Evloev also always has difficulties in the first round for some reason, you know? And in a lot of his fights, he is a very slow starter, in my opinion. Um, he almost got subbed by Diego Lopez, but uh, didn't happen. He won the second and third round. Um, he has it in a lot of fights, and uh, he still doesn't have a finish in the UFC, which really bothers him. I know it bothers him. He said it before. Um, I don't think Arnold Allen is a guy he's, he's getting a finish off, probably. I think it will go three rounds. It will go three hot rounds. I think Arnold Allen was the first round. I think Massa was two and three, to be honest. So I'm, I'm, I'm keeping the undefeated record uh, going for Massa here. Uh, unanimous decision, Massa Evloev, to, uh, to get the win here and uh, move up in the rankings. Art, what's your pick? I'm on the same side uh, for a little bit of a different reason, though. Obviously, again, uh, last time Max Holloway, like you said, you're expecting to lose that. A cater was an arm injury. Uh, Dan Hooker win was good, Sadiq Yusuf, and then unanimous decision over Nick Lentz. How many of those guys are elite grapplers? None of them, right? Like Dan Hooker's going for takedowns, yeah, but none of them really compared to the wrestling of Evelyn. And so the last time Arnold Allen was taken down was in 2018. So it's been a long time since we've seen Allen off of his back. He's looked good. But he's looked good against strikers. And I get that. Evla is a completely different fighter. Evla attempts massive takedown numbers. He Three takedowns on average per in round one. 1.9 of them have been successful in round one. He attempts 2.6 in round two, 1.4 being successful in round two, and 3.7 in round three, 1.4 being successful in round three. So he's shooting multiple takedowns per fight. He's getting them multiple times. And so I know they say Allen has good get-ups and such. But Evlev has cardio for days. He, if you get up, he's just going to take you back down again. And if Allen has 50% takedown defense, you'll just shoot twice and then take it down the, the one time, right? And so it's a little bit of a question mark in terms of how good has Allen's takedown defense improved? I've seen earlier in his UFC career, um, he got taken down um, in early in his career there. I think he, um, he lost a couple of fights. I want to pull up the actual... Uh, the stats there, but I think in his UFC career, he, he lost the first round to Makwan Americani because Americani uh, won the round one from a takedown. Americani only has one round of cardio, ended up losing that fight as yeah. well. Uh, I think Mike, uh, Mads Burnell was the last time he got a takedown. Mads Burnell was winning that fight as well. Arnold Allen likes that front choke, uh, got the front choke, ended up winning, coming from behind and winning that fight as well. Even in his UFC, yeah, yeah. He was losing that fight because of the ground yeah. game, right? And so... For Evlev, he's just a different level than anybody Allen, Arnold Allen has seen on the ground. So I think Evlev sort of cruises. Like, yeah, like we said, he doesn't have many finishing uh, uh, finishes in the UFC. I don't think this is the time he's going to get one. Yeah. I think Evlev cruises to a decision. It could be 29-28, like you said, maybe gives up the first round. Uh, but as the fight goes on, Evlev just has endless cardio. He can continue the same pace. You see it in the takedown numbers, 3.7 attempted in round three. So... Allen's going to have to get off to a quick start. I think he's going to have to win by KO early. Otherwise, it's going to be all Evlov uh, late. And even if it stays on the feet, Evlov's not like a fish out of water on the feet either. He's decent on the feet. He can hold his own. I know Allen's a good striker, but it's not minus 500 standing. Like if it goes down to the ground, I think, you know, Evlov's a big mismatch on the ground for Allen. Uh, and on the feet, I think it's pretty close. So I, I favor the Evlov side. I took that early. 
Yeah, I'm going to make it three for three on Evoyev too. I, I like. I just. I, it's always hard, I think, to really pick against these guys that are perfect record, seventeen and zero. And, and again, he's fought decent competition too. Like that Diego Lopez win. I know it was. I think Diego took it a short notice, but it, it, it is aging really well. Diego's looked amazing, right? Like he yeah. looks like a like a contender himself. Dan gets a good win too. And 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 like you were saying, Art, like the amount of takedowns he's landing. He's he's averaging four point seven one for fifty minutes. Uh, last three fights yeah. alone, he's he has twenty two takedowns landed. Um, his, his takedown his takedown offense is, is unworldly. I mean, Alvin's takedown defense, 76%, not bad. But again, I think you made a great point. Like, really, what wrestlers did he fight? Like, I guess Nick Lentz, I guess. Nick Lentz, yeah. yeah. Nick Lentz, to be fair, actually, he gave um, Evoyev a really tough fight. He, even though his, uh, he lost that fight, um, Nick, like, he, he actually... That's because his takedown fight. defense is better, right? He's, a, um, he's a, do, actually, Nick, Nick Lentz was a good wrestler, a good fighter. And Nick, like, Nick is now in his corner, right, for Evoyev all the time. He's at what? What gym is it? Um, yeah, American Top Team. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say that. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's 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 good to have him there too. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's like I do keep looking back at that fight with Mads Burnell too, right? Like that's the one you referenced, Art. That's the last time he got taken down. That's a fight that you know he was losing that fight until he pulled off the hill, married in the third round. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fight with Macklin and Mercani too. Again, those are like the real two grapplers he fought. The other guys are all strikers in those part. And, and a lot of the guys are, you know, kind of at the end of their careers too. Some of the guys you felt like Gilman Rolandez, for instance. And I know lately, you know, he's he's done better. And I, I don't want to take anything away from Alan because he did really well against Max Holloway. He lost the fight, but it did well. It's just again, these are not guys shooting takedowns. And I think Evloyev's going to be shooting them constantly against him. And I think he gets them. So Evloyev by decision, I think, is the way to go here, guys. I think that's that's the that's the pick. That's 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 the way to go. That's the method. Evloyev by decision. I don't want to I don't want to overthink it. You know, this guy hasn't. He hasn't submitted or knocked anyone out in the UFC, and I don't think it happens here against a, a durable fighter in Allen. Um, I think a decision is, is pretty pretty fucking likely, to be honest with you. So that's the way it goes here, I think. Um, kick off the main card with the Evoya decision win and consensus favorite. All right, let's go to the next fight here, guys. We got Chris Curtis taking on Mark andre Barrio, Canadian here. Odds for this one have Mark on, or Chris Curtis, minus 175, Mark andre Barrio, plus 145. Curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this one because I think this is a really competitive fight. So um, I'll start with you, Art. What do you think about this one, man? All right. So Chris Curtis, a training partner of Sean Strickland, they fight pretty similar. He likes to be in the pocket, likes to throw hands, really pretty much a boxer, right? Um, I think the Jack Hermanson fight was very telling. Jack Hermanson basically gave the game plan of how to beat Chris Curtis. Stay, yep. out, stay on the outside, pop leg kicks, stick and move. He, you know, make it a, a boring fight, but win on the points. You can see uh, Chris Curtis visibly frustrated in that fight, telling him to come to the middle, come fight with me. Uh, but Hermanson played it smart. He, he came in, I think he was an underdog in that fight, kicked the legs, popped him, stick and move. And so he set that game plan. I think Gaston used the same game plan, stuck and move, took the outside, won a unanimous decision win. I think Imabov was actually doing the same thing in round one, uh, staying yeah. on the outside, kicking him and stuff. The difference is that Marc-Andre Barrel is not that guy. He's not a big kicker. He's more of a puncher. He's more of a come forward, be in your face. Marc-Andre Burial, he finds the most success in the clinch. He wants to be up front, make it a dirty fight, uh, make it close and, and drag it into deep waters. They call you a power bar because he has this cardio that can sort of go on for days. But that's exactly what Chris Curtis wants is he wants you to be in the pocket. He wants to be able to throw these uppercuts, these in close strikes there. Uh, he's going to roll with them like a Sean Strickland would. Um, so I think Mark andre Barrow is going to give Chris Curtis exactly the fight that he wants. I think Chris Curtis, you see the back on him. He's strong, man. And so not a lot of people can really control Chris Curtis in the clinch. He does a good job of controlling and sort of getting his back off of the clinch, getting back to the center there. 
I think Barrios going to struggle holding on to him. And then if he stands in the pocket, Barrios, uh, Chris Curtis is probably going to find some success uh, on the feet. I don't think it hits the ground. We saw just Chris Curtis's takedown defense is elite there, uh, stuffing a bunch of takedowns uh, from Vieira. I think career-wise, his takedown defense is high level as well. So Barrio, not a big wrestler either. Uh, so the fight probably stays on the feet. I think for Barrio to win, it's probably going to be a very close split decision. Again, he has to make it very dirty, hold on to you, throw uppercuts in the clinch, work the body a little bit. I just think Chris Curtis is too strong. That's the fight that he wants. Uh, so for him, I know Barrios, obviously the Canadian, you can tell in my breakdowns, I have no problem picking against Canadians here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going with Chris Curtis to win. Uh, I think he wins the decision. Marcel, what about you? So when you guys don't do it, I will say it. Mark andre Barrio is okay. fighting. Chris Curtis. <laughs> Marc-André. Uh, Marc-André Barrio. <laughs> yeah. That was perfect. That was fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I practiced on... No, I didn't practice. Le Power Bar. <laughs> Le Power Bar. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an intriguing fight, man. I think uh, Chris Curtis... Um, I re- Chris Curtis had kind of, at a certain moment he had kind of a hype behind him, you know, because of the results he had. He had that knockout over Buckley. He got that crazy knockout over Phil Haas, which, I mean, Phil Haas can chin pretty much shut, you know, at, at this moment. We talked about it earlier. Um, if you look at Mark andre Barrio, I think he, he, he's been fighting better, man. You know, he's been fighting better than I saw before. I, I kind of lost faith in Mark andre Barrio, I'm not going to lie. You know, in the beginning when he came into the UFC, he was a two-division uh, two champion of TKO, right? Uh, got also some hype behind him. And he looked awful, man, pretty much in the beginning. I think he, he, he started to look better when he started cross-training with Kill Cliff FC as well. Uh, I think his hands look a lot better than he did before. Um Still not fully convinced in him, you know, but I feel the same way about Chris Curtis, you know. Um, I think this fight goes to a decision. I think it will be close. And, uh, yeah, I'm going for Mark andre Barrio in this fight, man, so I'm picking the Canadian. Hit the button, Marcel. <laughs> I'm going with him, too. I'm going to take the Canadian, too. Not just because he's Canadian. Even though I picked, I think, most of the Canadians, if not all of them. But... Uh... I think he can win this fight, man. I've seen like some good improvement from him lately, and I think, like, like Art said, like he's got to make it a gritty, dirty fight. And that's what I think he's going to do. I think he's going to be able to get Chris against the fence and just grind him on, grind, grind him out against the fence, and land those uppercuts from the clinch, kind of like he was doing in the last fight with Anders, and and hurt Chris Curtis a little bit too. Chris Curtis is he's had a good career in the UFC. I mean, a surprisingly good career, like pulled off multiple upsets. But lately, I think he's shown some some holes in his game, and um. I know he's a good boxer. I know he's training with Strickland and everything, but like, there's just there's some things about him that bother me. Like, like one of the things is the uh, the, the the striking differential. It's a negative one. It's uh, so he's, he's getting hit with one more strike landed per minute than than he's landing on his opponents. That always bothers me. Um, I don't like picking fighters that have negative strike differentials. If it's like one fight, the small sample size, then that's one thing. But he's got like what seven fights in the UFC now. Um, so that that to me shows that you know this guy's hittable. And I think Barrios is shown that he's he's making that improvement on, on on the feet. It's not like he's. I mean, obviously Nixick and those guys in extreme are, are great coaches, but Barrios, he's training at um, down in Florida. Marcel, what's what's it called? Uh, oh my God! Killcliff. Yeah, Killcliff. The new name I was got stuck with it in my tongue there, but yeah, he's, he's at Killcliff. He's making that drive down there. He's he's training there, and um, I think he's I think he's looked really good in the last couple of fights, and he's a guy that's made steady improvement over his career. 
Um, I think for Curtis to beat him, he'd have to knock him out, I think. I think if the fight goes in distance, it's going to be Barry, Barry winning a decision. So that's what I think, Marcel. I'm going to go Barry, Barry by decision. The decision for for Marc-Andre Berriot. So that's, that's my picture. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to work on my French, obviously. All right, we'll go to the next fight here. we got um, – this fight's interesting too, I find. I want to get your thoughts on this one, Art, especially. Um, we got Mike Mawat taking on Neil Magny. And Mawat's a huge favorite here, minus 340, plus 270 on Magny. Art, give me your thoughts to this. You know I like Mike Mawat, guys, but this line is, is really long. What do you think, Art? Uh, I'll be honest. I think it's justified. Um, everything that I've seen out of Mike Malott has looked super impressive. From from standing on the feet, uh, he stands in orthodox, switches to southpaw. He'll he can do both. Um, what I found from him is that when his opponent is orthodox, he will stand southpaw. Uh, when his opponent is southpaw, he'll throw orthodox. And the reason is that he likes to work those body kicks. Uh, the, the southpaw versus orthodox, those body kicks are always there. Uh, he likes to go to the body early. Um, he likes to go there with the hands as well. And then um, on the on on the ground, he's just next level. Like um, that that submission against Lanes. If if you go back and watch it, it's an arm triangle choke. And okay, yeah, it's it's not great, but he got it from like opposite half guard. Like the only other time I've seen that happen was um, Islam Makachev hit that that squeeze. And when I talk about with with the arm triangle is you normally have to go into side control on that the side that the arm triangle is on. He's hitting it from the opposite side. He's in half guard on the right side. Uh, he Lanes is basically tapping before he even moves. He moves right away and then he taps right away. But after that, he got the guillotine. It was a one arm guillotine. He's finding some like crazy submissions. I think he's probably better than uh, Magni sort of everywhere. This is what you call one of those like showcase fights magny's been in the fire he's been thrown to the wolves time and time again he's at the tail end of his career um he's taken on some big names in um ian gary uh Shavkot, any sort of those up-and-comers they throw magny to him he's like one of those ranked guys um to put on, on onto the thing he's give a, him a nice win he's a gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah yeah he's at the tail end of his career he's sort of done what he can do he's not going to be really uh, knocking on the door for a title anytime soon so um this is one of those fights where I think it's uh, Mike Mallott. He, he probably any any anything he wants really. I think he can win by KO. Magny's pretty durable, uh, but if you go back to like the Ian Gary fight, I thought Magny's always pretty durable, and I tried tried to fade Ian Gary. I thought uh, Ian Gary's probably not going to finish Magny, so I'm going to bet not Ian Gary to win inside the distance. I got lucky in that fight. Magny should have been finished many times. He was standing in orthodox, got that lead leg beat up. He could not switch to southpaw for the life of him. He took the, those those shots to the leg. I think Mike Malak can do something similar, just beat up that leg, go to the body. I think if it goes to the ground, Magny's not the greatest on the ground. I think he can find a submission. I think he can. if he doesn't, it goes to decision. I don't really see many paths to victory, honestly, for uh, Neil Magny. He's one of those grinders. Uh, I think for Neil Magny to win, it's going to have to look like the last fight, a lot of cage pushing, a lot of clinching, very, again, winning a very boring decision up against the fight, making it a Magny fight. But I think he's past his prime. I think it's it's done for him. You can see it in the Ian Gary fight. You can see it in his face. Uh, he didn't want to be there. And the one thing with Ian Gary is that Ian Gary knocked him down a couple of times and then just let him back up. Mike Mallott's not going to do that. If he knocks you down, he's going to jump right into your guard. He's going to work the ground, and he's probably going to either going to finish you on the ground or find the submission. So that's the big difference there. I think Mike Mallott finds a submission probably pretty early, um, rounds one or two. Um, I take him that side. I think it's justified the line. Uh, the only thing, 
I will say is uh, there is a question mark with Mike Malott's cardio just because he hasn't gone three rounds. He's just been able to finish a lot of these guys pretty early. So if I was taking the Magni side, I could maybe take like a round three KO for uh, very small in case the Mike Malott cardio drops off a cliff. But I haven't seen anything to indicate that cardio is an issue. He's, he's able to work his game plan. He doesn't really slow down. I think Mike, Mike Malott's the side. Marcel, where were you? Yeah, I'm definitely also going for Mike Millard in this one. Um, I feel like Neil Magny, um, yeah, it, it, it's so disrespectful to say, but he's really the gatekeeper of the welterweight division, right? If yeah. you get through Neil Magny, you pretty much go into the top 15. Um, and I think Millard will go into the top 15. I think Neil Magny is at the end of his career in the UFC right now. Um, like Hart says, you know, um, he got kind of lucky with uh, with uh, Ian Gary not finishing him, because Ian even Ian Gary chose to be a dick in that fight and uh, wanted to. Uh, how do you say that? He didn't want to finish Magny, in my opinion. He wanted to punish him, you know, for some reason. Uh, I'm still have no idea why. Yeah, I know why in Ian Gary's mind, but I still don't know why, you know. Um, and I don't. I, I like Art says. You know, if Malat gets the opportunity. To, to go to the ground and beat him there, he will do it. You know, he won't let him stand up. And the thing is, like, Neil Magny, he hasn't been really, uh, how do you say that, confident, in my opinion, as of lately in his fights. I have to go with with Malad as well. And I think uh, he, he gets to do, he gets a win uh, by stoppage. I am still don't know for sure how, I, how I'm going to pick him, you know. Uh, I, I probably go with a submission in the, in the second round for, for, uh, for Mike Malad here. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm picking him, too. The reason I say the line side because I'm looking historically at his odds in the UFC. And he's a bigger favorite against Neil than he was against Adam Fugate and, and Lohan Lyness and Mickey Gall. That's that's kind of what I'm looking at. Hmm. Um, but but I you guess, ran through those guys. He, I he guess just say, covered the price, right? He did. He's been so impressive that it's like – I mean, I think he's the clear pick here. I just, again, I, I, I don't necessarily see, like, the value, quote-unquote, but – I mean, I think the way to go is just him by stoppage. You know, you get a better number. Or do you have the number on that, him by inside the distance? You know yeah, it's is? not great. I, I looked at it. It's the first juice? thing I did was to, yeah. I think not to go to decision was is pretty juiced. Hold on, let me see. Uh, yeah, ends inside the distance minus 250. My lot inside the distance minus 185. So I uh, think I got some a lot minus 250. So I'm not willing to take minus 185 inside the distance. I'm okay with paying that money line. Um no, yeah. totally fair. But yeah, I mean, I think he probably finishes the fight. I mean, that's, I'm just saying, like, to get a better number, like, that'd be the way to go. Yeah. A lot of submission is plus 125. That's what I'm thinking, to be honest, guys. I'm thinking a submission because, like you said, Neil's, like, he's, I know he, he's been knocked out, but it's been a while, right? Like, it was what, Lawrence Larkin and Punch Nibio, and that's it. It's pretty tough to knock this guy out. And a lot, he's definitely got power, but I think where he really excels is on the ground. And Neil, Neil is actually decent on the ground. He's, he's he showed that against Rodriguez, but. You saw against Burns and Shabcat, like there are levels, and, and Malata really good uh, grappler, and I'm pretty sure he was like the jiu-jitsu coach at uh, Team Alpha Male, right? When he, he during his break, because he's yeah. a guy that took a break for I want to say what was it four four or five years? He took a break in his career and came back, and he really is in his prime right now. So um, that's 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 the way I'd go. It's him by sub to get a better number. Um, but I, I expect to win this fight. You know, Neil, I think you guys are right. He's at the tail end of his career. Um, he can surprise every now and then, but I'd be I'd be surprised if he won this fight. So Mike Malott, inside distance. That's the way to go. I, I, right, yeah, I'm, I'm more confident in Malott winning than I am Jasmine winning. 
As yeah, a, that's fair. I mean, they're, they're actually really good friends, which is kind of ironic. But uh, I think yeah. for me, it's the opposite. I, I just I think Jasmine dominates. I, I'm pretty sure Mike does too. It's just I'm, pre- it's just I'm pretty confident win. both win. Yeah, they both win. Let's be honest. They both they both should win. The fans yeah. will win. How's that? The fans should win. All right, let's go to the next fight here, guys. Co-main event: Myra Bueno Silva against Raquel Pennington for the UFC vacant women's bantamweight title. And the odds for this one: minus one sixty-six Bueno Silva, plus one forty Pennington. Um, I'm actually really curious your, your guys' thoughts on, on these two title fights because they're the odds are close. So I'll start with you, Marcel, on this one. What do you think, Marcel? Bro, fucking fight of the year. Um, yeah, Raquel Pennington against uh, Myra Bueno Silva. Well, let's start with Raquel Pennington. Listen, she's good. She's decent. But if there's one boring fighter in the bantamweight division, it's Raquel Pennington. You know, um, I, I I can't stand watching her fights. I'm sorry. You know, it's always like pressuring against the cage um, and winning like that. You know, and you always hope when you hear a split decision, the other girl wins, but it's always her who wins. Um, oh, and I say this with respect, by the way, which sounds super disrespectful when I said 10 seconds ago. But... Uh, I mean, that's the way she wins. You know, she has a certain way of winning, and it's not the most uh, most fun uh, way to look at. Uh, you got Myra Bueno Silva. It's crazy that I think like one and a half year ago or two years ago, Myra Bueno Silva was on the verge of being cut from the UFC when she fought uh, Wu Yanan. You know, I think um, I think she lost uh, she lost two out of her four fights, one draw then, and she only had to win over that Myra Barada girl. The Italian girl, you know, and uh, since then, man, she has some some good wins, you know, the Stephanie Agar armbar where she said like she tapped, and Agar said she didn't tap, but she got the win there. She she finished Lena Landsberg, but yeah, of course, she got the title shot by winning against Holly Holm, which went to a no contest, you know, because she she took some stuff for her AD ADD or something or whatever, and I think the UFC was like, yeah, this is this is legit, this is no uh, made up. BS, so we still give her the title shot, although it is a no contest now. It's, pre- it's pretty shitty, you know, when your biggest win gets overturned into a no contest, you know. <laughs> it's like it, it kind of feels like when Nick Diaz won against Takanori Gomi in Pride, you know, by that uh, Gogo Plata, and then it's like, yeah, you smoke too much wheat, we get it in a no contest, <laughs> you know, it just sucks. Um, but still, she got the title shot, she got, I think, a three month suspension, she's back now. Title shot, yeah, I mean, listen. I think Myra Bueno herself has a clear path to win, but the thing is Raquel Pennington does what she does, and she does that really well. And I think Raquel Pennington can do that for five rounds, man. So um, I'm going with Raquel Pennington by decision. Hit the button, Marcel. <laughs> well, I'll, 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 I'll jump in next. I'm taking Raquel Pennington, too. So we got two two dog picks here in the co-main event for the women's band, naked bandway title. I'm with you, Marcel. I think Buenos Aires will look good early, but I, I just think Raquel has proven she can grind it up for five rounds. You know, she's just an underrated fighter, guys. She's got a great record. Twelve and th- I think it's twelve and three in the UFC or something. It's it's really impressive. Um, she's fought the best of the best. Her only loss, sorry, twelve and five. Excuse me. She's only lost to champions though, twice to home, Nunez, Durandami, and, and, and Andrade. All the other fighters she's beaten, she's she, she's fought, she's beaten. Um, five fight win streak. She's someone that we know can can go 25 minutes she's super durable um she's not the like not very entertaining at all I, i'm with you marcel like, i kind of dread watching her fight but she knows how to get her hand raised she just yeah. she can get it done and you know i picked against her in the past like for instance when she fought Irene aldana i remember i picked aldana i was confident and raquel went and won that fight so 
she's someone that is, is surprising in the past. And and even when you know when she fought Andrade in, in her rematch with her, or even Misha Tate, like these are not fights I thought she'd win, and then she went and pulled it off. Um, with Buena Silva, like she's looked great. Don't get me wrong; I've picked her in all the fights I think at, at women's bantamweight since she's moved up in weight. But mm-hmm. like, if you look a little closer, like Lena Landsberg is—I don't think she's in the UFC anymore. Stephanie Ager's like barely clinging on to the to the roster. Um, actually, she might even be cut soon too. Wuni Anon is 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 not good at all, and that was a close fight, a 29-28 fight. And then Holm was her best win, overturned. I'm not really care. I don't really care about that Adderall test. I don't think that changed much, but. Home is also 40, what, 40, 42 years old or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so she beat an aging fighter. Um, and then, you know, you look at that fight with Furo, for instance, like, wasn't that impressive? And this is going back to the to the uh, 125 days, but the Moreau's fight, same thing. And even the De La Rosa fight, I mean, just not super impressive. I think her best way to win is her submissions, right? Her submissions mm-hmm. are nasty, but Raquel is pretty tough to finish on the ground. I mean, she's got good uh, submission defense, good takedown defense. I just think Raquel's going to grind this out, man. I think it's going to be kind of a classic Raquel competing to fight a close, dirty fight, pushes her against the fence, grinds her out. And I think, you know, Silva probably takes like the first maybe two rounds and then Pennington grinds it out the rest of the fight. Um, I, I, I like Pennington by decision. So I have a dog pick like you, Marcel. Let's see what yeah, Art says. By the way, Raquel oh. is like, she's like, um, how do you say that? She came into the UFC of the. The ultimate uh, ultimate fighter with a negative record you know yeah yeah so that's crazy so, uh, actually normally when you go into the ufc you have a positive record and when you do bad you go out with a negative record sometimes you know in the women's division but she actually came in with a negative record and her record now looks pretty good you know considering sure. who she won against sorry art go go ahead no problem guys um i just wanted to say guys we did it we found oh, it. We, 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 we did it we did it <laughs> hit the button marshall go <sighs> We got one. Yeah, we got one. All right. Reel it in. Uh, Let's go. Let's hear it, yeah, basically what you guys said, right? Um, Pennington has that way. She's basically like the Brad Katona uh, of the women's bantamweight division. Just pushes you up the cage, makes it dirty. Winnell Silva's, like, I've, I've seen her cardio drop off, like, in round two and such, right? She's never gone five rounds. Uh, so you sort of have to assume Pennington's going to win rounds three, four, five, pretty much. Uh, so for, for Buenos Silva to win... It's probably going to have to be early, and it's probably going to have to be submission. So one thing that I found interesting is that, okay, Silva has all these wins by submission. She's probably a submission girl. No, she's only attempted four takedowns in the UFC career. Only two of them have been successful. But she has 83% of her wins by submission. So they, the submissions have come by knee bar, arm bar five times, and ninja choke, right? So same thing with the Pollyanna Viana. In order to get the arm bar, you have to be on the bottom, right? And I think Pennington's good she's so she's one of those veterans she's experienced i just don't think she's going to get caught in an arm bar i don't even think pennington goes down to the ground with her she doesn't need to she doesn't look for a takedown so it's going to have to be bueno silva looking for the takedown early and i just don't know if she's going to get there pennington's pretty strong good deep takedown defense the other way that bueno silva could possibly win is by leg kicks she likes to throw the outside low kick mm-hmm. uh, pennington doesn't really do a lot of checking. We saw in the Manda Nunes fight against Pennington, uh, Manda Nunes beating up that leg for five rounds, but we saw Pennington fight through it. She switched to Southpaw. She went all five rounds with her. It wasn't like a big enough deal for her uh, that it really impacted her. Obviously, she's losing, but obviously it's Manda Nunes. So is Bueno Silva on that level of Manda Nunes? Probably not, right? So like I said, I, I think Bueno Silva has to engage in the grappling. Uh, I, otherwise, I think Pennington really takes off. It might be a great live betting spot, 
where yeah. Silva maybe wins round one, maybe even round two, and then yeah. Pennington comes back and wins. Uh, and yeah. I'll, I'll share this one with you guys. I'd like Pennington to win by KO in rounds Ooh. three, four, and five. Ooh, I think because of those cardio issues, obviously I think it could go to decision, and I like that side, but the KO lines are like plus 4,000, plus 5,000, plus 6,000. So you're getting some big odds, and you've never seen Silva go that distance. So if she falls off the cliff, which we've seen her sort of slow down in round two, let alone round three, four, and five, and Rocky just has a way of making it a dirty fight, continues to be in your face. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was if you go back and watch the Furio fight, you can see Silva, she uses the high guard, right? She defends Silva, ha, 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 and then Silva just backs up, defends it, and then comes forward. And as soon as uh, Manal Furio comes forward, backs up with the high guard, comes forward. You can sort of nullify one of Silva's attacks by by throwing your own attacks. So if Pennington is a high volume, low power type of striker, if she continues to just throw, Bueno Silva will cover up, come back into the pocket, cover up, come back to the pocket. She's not going to win a lot of minutes that way, right? So for Pen for Silva to win, again, Pennington's very durable, never been knocked down in her UFC career, haven't, hasn't been knocked down, but she has a long career, never been knocked down, this is a big stat. Uh, great takedown defense there, right? So it's going to be hard for Silva to really win a decision because, again, she spends a lot of time on her back. She's looking for these choke, uh, these, these submissions. Maybe it's like a knee bar that she rolls into or something. But, again, Pennington won't engage in the grappling. So I, I like that Pennington side. I, I think that she can win. It probably goes to decision, if I'm being honest. Maybe the over four and a half. But uh, I think she likes that she finishes just like you. Sorry, not finishes, but goes to decision, like you said. And we got a consensus underdog. Marcel, hit the button again. I love it. By the way, that side, uh, Gene Snova, uh, our the guy that fought last weekend, that's him doing that dog thing. Marcel. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. That's it. Okay. Yeah, is that Marcel, is, uh, a staples button? What is it, Marcel? It's like, uh, it's actually oh, a, like dog, a, uh, as a dog button or something. It's uh, one, of the, one of our listeners, uh, Glenn, sent yeah. it to Marcel for Christmas. So it was a wow. pretty awesome Christmas gift. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. We made it to the main event. We, uh, we did a long show today, but our, I just wanted to, before we even get into it, Wanted to say thank you, man, for, for coming on. You've given us like tremendous insight as we expected from you. So we appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much. And obviously, Marcel, we we uh, we always love doing it with you too. Let's get to the main event, guys. Sean Strickland versus Drakus Duplessis. Minus one thirty-five. Sean Strickland plus one fourteen. Drakus Duplessis. Who's going to be the new UFC middleweight champion? Art, I'll start with you since you're our guest. Give me your pick, man. Main event. I, I have a problem, and it's it's fading Drakus Duplessis. I don't think he's very good. I don't think I think he's awkward. I think his takedown defense is questionable. He had that whole breathing thing where he was only getting eight percent of oxygen to his nose, and now he's fixed it. So miraculously, he can go that long. Um, I was big on Robert Whitaker. I was in in Vegas on that one, and and you know he got starched there. I'm gonna take. I have to take the Strickland side. I just force a habit for me to fade uh, Drakus. Um, same thing, even against the. Um, the rest of the uh, bronze bomber, what was his? I uh, can't remember, but uh, he ended up losing the first round there uh, against uh, a Brunson. guy. And then, uh, yeah, Brunson, yeah. Brunson yeah. won that first round, right? Uh, from takedowns. Brunson only has run one round of cardio. Drakus ends up beating them there, right? So, um, Strickland's not going to be looking for the grappling. However, he is. He spent his last training camp with Uncle Live, big, big, great training partner for this camp. They had back to back fights there, right? Uncle Live just fighting recently. So, um, uh, historically, um, Strickland has had some great takedown defense as it is. Uh, so I think he keeps it on the feet. Dreykus, I think this fight comes down to how Dreykus approaches this, okay? So 
for Strickland, you know what you get out of him. He comes forward. He throws straight punches. Uh, 30, 34% of his uh, strikes are single jabs. He'll just keep on popping that jab. He'll continue to come forward. If Dreykus tries to fight on his back foot and make it a technical fight, he's going to lose. Uh, he cannot keep up with the pace. He cannot move backwards for five rounds, and he can't deal with the forward pressure of Sean Strickland. For Dreykus to win, he has to make it a firefight. In a brawl, I favor Dreykus's power. I favor maybe his chin. I think if he makes it a brawl and just goes out there and just starts swinging, I think he could find the knockout early. But the, as the later the fight goes on, I favor Sean Strickland. I think he's better technically. I think he has more tools, uh, all that stuff there. I just don't think he has a ton of power. So if the Strickland finish does come late, it's probably rounds three, four, five. I could see a Sean Strickland decision, if I'm being honest. Uh, it's really how you think Dreykus's cardio will look later on in the rounds. But uh, I, I like that side. I'm being trying to be cautious because, I, again, I have a history of fading Dreykus, and he just keeps on pulling out these wins. But I got to say, I got to I gotta think Strickland's aside here. Marcel, what were you? Um, so I think the longer the fight goes, the more favor Strickland. I think most people think that way, you know. Um, the thing is, I don't think the fight will go that long. I think I think Drickus knocks him out in the first round. That's Hit the button, then. Hit the button, baby. Yeah, okay, let's go, let's go. <laughs> so and it's not that I'm super convinced in it or whatever, you know, but I think they will come, uh, they will throw punches, you know, a lot, and they will uh, they will go wild early. And I think Drickus hits him with something, and he probably knocks him down or either knocks him out, and he finishes either with ground and pound or it's finished by a punch, you know. That's what I think. Um can it be different? 100%. You know, the longer the fight goes, like I said, Strickland has a better chance to win the fight, I feel, you know. But for some reason, I feel like Strickland is going to fight, uh, like, really emotional in this fight. You know, I think that that's the thing that's going to happen here. I think Trick has really played that game to get into Sean's head. And I think Sean wants to knock his head off, you know. Um I think that plays into the favor of Drickus in this one. So that's why I'm going with Drickus first round knockout. Um... That's my pick here. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, I, man, I mean, I, I like both guys a lot. Like, I really like both these fighters. This is uh, not an easy one to pick. But I'm, I'm with you, Art. I mean, there's just so many holes in this guy's game, but like, I'm going to pick him like, straight up. I'm going to pick Drake. I think, like, Marcel, I'm going to take him by knocker. I think he can catch Sean early. That's his only way to win, really. I feel like, yeah. Because the longer the fight goes, obviously, in favor Strickland. He clearly has the better cardio, he's clearly the more technical fighter. Um, his jab is ridiculous. We know how good he is. Um, takedown defense is solid too. Just everywhere he's solid, but um, I still think he can get cracked. Uh, and I know like Pereira hits really hard, and like it's not fair to like like oh well he knocked him out, and so can Drakus. But I think Drakus hits that hard too. And you know, Art, if this fight happened before the Whitaker fight, there's no way in hell I would pick him. But we saw what mm -hmm. happened with Whitaker. I was there, and so were you, Art. Yeah, and he just completely swarmed Whitaker and just completely destroyed him. And that was to me what I need to see. To show that this guy, well, despite having these holes with the cardio and, and the nose thing, I mean, I still don't know the thing about that, but and, and the takedown defense. I mean, there's so many holes in this guy's game, but at the same time, he's just one of these guys that can win fights. He just finds a way to win. And I need, that's what I need to see from just to beat a guy like Whitaker, an elite guy. And I think you can do it to Strickland too. So it, to me, it's 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 Duplessis early or Strickland late. I'm going to go Duplessis early in this one. It's kind of like the last fight we talked about, but we're going, I'm going the opposite way this time. And, and that's what makes the sport so interesting is like there's you know multiple ways you can break down the fights and you can, you can land on either guy but in this case I'm I'm going with Duplessis by Nako. so we have a consensus dog or not consensus dog sorry me and Marcel have the same pick on that one but uh, uh, it should be a great fight I mean I, I love it I think it's the best fight in the card obviously um, 
I, I, this code. Go ahead. I think I cannot remember when, uh, for example, Adam and myself picked the two title fights, the, the underdog. I mean, I can't remember the one. I happened. can't remember either. There's got to be a time we did it, but it's it's, yeah. it's kind of rare. I yeah. do think, um, I hate to even think about like this art, but like, I think I'll hit one of the two and profit from, from one of the two hitting, you know, I, I really do. So I'm hoping it's, I don't think it's two for two, but I think, I it, think they both have a good chance to win here. So let's just, just to recap the, the fights. And once again, I just want to say thanks man for coming on and, and getting yeah, it. Yeah. Cause you were obviously a really sharp guy. We appreciate it, man. And if you give you a shout out, I'll, I'll give you a, a chance to get your shout outs in a second here. But just to go through the card again, we had one consensus dog with three of us. It was Raquel Pennington to defeat Myra Bueno Silva. So we all had her at plus 140. Um, Marcel and I both had Sean. We both had Duplessis as a dog. We both had Barrio as a dog. Um, Marcel and Art both had Woodson as a dog. And they both had – no, no. Was that it? And then, no, uh, Art also had Flick as a dog. I and think Arfield. that's it. Or, and Artfield, sorry. And Artfield. Yeah. So – we both, I think we all we all had like like I think what three or four dogs each. I mean that's more than normally. <laughs> well, I think I mean, Art. I think I, you had you had four or five. I think Art. Yeah, I'm big on dogs this week. I, yeah, I'm. I'm but like uh, but also Tavares. Did you pick Tavares? I can't remember who's you picking that one. I, I think yeah, I think he, I, I I I like the value side on that side. Sure, I, that's what sure it is. I probably bet Tavares. I think you'll see multiple dogs winning. Last week, Art was a really chalky card, as you know. It was like almost mm -hmm. all the favorites won. You're going to see it bounce back this week. It's just the way it happens. So. Anyways, Art, I want to give you a chance to give your shout-outs, man, and we'll get out of here. What do you think, man? Anything you want to say? Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Long-time listeners, obviously, uh, you know, you and I go back. We talk all the time. So appreciate you having me on. You know, just, a, you know, this platform to you know, talk UFC fights. Again, because this is a one-off, uh, it's in my hometown. I'm going to be there. Um, bankroll management goes out the window. I'm screw that. I'm putting all my money on this fight. You'll have I'll have action on sort of every single play. I awesome. think I have over twenty twenty five thousand dollars down on awesome. the fight already. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, I've, I've been working so hard collecting these stats. I think the stats are really going to play into it. Again, we we have a, a team of guys that sort of collect the stats for me. We package them up and try to sort of share the knowledge amongst the community. So if you feel that you might benefit from some of the numbers that I've quoted, uh, just take a look in my some you know bio there or hit me up on twitter to find out some more information but as always thank you for having me uh I, i'm sorry that the you know the breakdowns go long i can talk for days no uh, you're good, you're good. we, we expected stuff, to go like, yeah. we usually do an hour so we had you on we went an hour and a half that makes sense we each talked for half an hour so yeah. <laughs> it makes sense we appreciate you man anything you want to say marcel before we get out of here yeah all right thanks for uh for coming on man it was uh fun to uh to have you here um and i hope your uh your place hit of course obviously <laughs> um yeah what can i else say uh, thanks for watching everybody uh shout out uh, follow mr elect electrocute i should say on twitter or on x also follow amamada martin on x twitter and uh, if you want to follow me it's appreciated but i'm not going to say you have to follow me but uh, yeah all the best and uh, thank you so much all for watching and i hope you have uh, great fights to watch uh, this weekend we will be back next week with the recap of this fight ufc 297 of this fight card and uh, yeah we probably have some fight announcements or whatever because we have a week without ufc after that so
for sure. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do the the recap and then fight announcements next week. But yeah, I just want to say thanks again, guys, for, for joining us. And I mean, there was a lot of comments, guys. I'm sorry I wasn't able to get them. Usually, Art, we do the comments like while we're doing the show, but with the three of us, it just wouldn't. It would have we would have been here for two and a half hours. There's no point. Um, I, I am I do want to eat dinner, and I am hungry. I know Art, you probably it's your dinner time as well. You're in the same yeah. East Coast time as me, uh, Marcel. We know you you've already eaten, as you, yeah. <laughs> probably, but uh, you know, Marcel, well, do, 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 do I look like I've eaten or something? Yeah. <laughs> We gotta get we gotta get you out here for a card sometime. But yeah, Art, I'll uh, I'll hit you up this weekend. I mean, uh, hopefully we'll be able to meet up at some point. Um, yeah, let's awesome. have a drink. So yeah, for sure, that'd be great. All right, guys, so have a great uh, have a great night, everyone. Appreciate everyone tuning in, and thanks again for.